Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Seeing Red Podcast. Um, as always, I'm your host, Joe Amanzada, here to deliver some scorching hot flames takes. Um, this time, riding solo, uh, because I thought it might be a good time to kind of revisit some of the stuff we chatted about prior to getting some guests on. Uh, certainly the season prologue, and of course, the very first episode of Two Turks. This episode, of course, will be the second in that series, Two Turks, the series where I just come in and give you my two cents on the Calgary Flames. Um, certainly, um, here in December, the vibe has changed a little bit since, uh, actually, I don't know, I, I listened to the initial Two Turks, and at that point, the Flames were 1-1-1, one, one, and one. Um, you know, kind of looking good in some areas and looking bad in some others. And I'm actually kind of sad to say that we still have not gotten any clearer. I know one of the big storylines heading into the year was what is this team? What are the Calgary flames? What is their kind of identity as a squad? Are they like high flying and high scoring? Are they a shut them down, grind them out type of team? And thus far, the data would suggest that they are neither of those things. They're kind of in the murky middle, which is pretty synonymous with this franchise for the better course of certainly my lifetime, but, um, you know, the in distant memory. Um, so where are we at? So the Flames are two games below 500. They're fighting for a wild card spot. They have a 460 points percentage. They are 21st in goal scored per game. There's 21st in goals against per game. Uh, they have the 27th ranked power play, which is uh, honestly like shocking to me that there are five teams with a less cohesive power play than the Calgary Flames, especially if you've been watching them all year long like I have. Uh, there are nights where they look completely disjointed. It looks like they don't even practice sometimes. Like, between not being able to execute their slingshot zone entry, which I know some people really severely dislike. I kind of don't care for it very much one way or the other, but um, I know some people feel really strongly about it, think that that needs to go. Um, they don't look good executing that. They don't look crisp when they're moving it around. There's not enough traffic in the front. There's too many pucks that are finding a way out of the zone. Um, it's It's been a mess. And the fact that there's five teams with a worse one is no short of uh, of jarring for me because it certainly seems like the weakest point of this team is capitalizing on the power play, but just kind of scoring goals in general as that 21st uh, ranked goals for would insinuate. And the Flames aren't one of those teams that has played like, you know, 16, 17, 18 games. Like they've played probably like 23, 24, 25. I don't have the information in front of me. Probably should have checked that before this started. Uh, but they have played, you know, a few games. So to be in that kind of bottom third of goals for, albeit near the top of it, is kind of a, a red flag. Um, and I think the ineptitude, the impotence of the power play is certainly one of the key contributing factors to that. The good news, uh, top 10 penalty kill. That has been a carryover from last year. The penalty kill remains solid, and it should come as no surprise with a team that has relatively solid goaltending and great defensively responsible players up and down the lineup. Uh, so that is kind of the silver lining. In addition to that, I would say a big part of the silver lining as well has been their play from behind and their play in overtime in the shootout. Uh, the Flames last year, you know, 17 overtime losses, uh, 17 loser points. They have been able to convert a few more of those this year and um, find themselves trailing a lot, which has kind of been, um, I don't know, less than ideal to to say the least. 
but they've showed a lot of resilience, um, not just game to game, but certainly month to month, right? With uh, the way the season started, um, now to be you know a mere two games below five hundred and well within the wild card race, I think that really is kind of a testament to the uh, strong you know mental game that the the players in the locker room have right now. And I mean, hopefully they can keep. Uh, keep up the strong run of play. I know they have lost two straight at time of recording. They just lost to the uh, Minnesota Wild last night in a stinky, 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 awful, no good game. Uh, Dan Vladar mercifully got pulled, um, and we actually got to see Dustin Wolf. Uh, he did his best, but it was just a night where the Flames didn't have it, and uh, you know they very appropriately took home a 5-2 loss. Uh, and it doesn't get any easier with the Carolina Hurricanes coming into town shortly after, and uh, the Hughes brothers paying us a visit after uh, playing Vancouver. Um, so lot, a lot, a lot of interesting storylines um, moving forward, uh, especially when you look at what the schedule entails. They're kind of in the middle of like this meat grinder gauntlet. I did mention that they're going to play the Hurricanes. They're going to play the Devils. Uh, and I believe they have, who do they have? Do they have the Stars again? I don't know. I think they played all the games against the Stars. I should really pull this up. Um, but they are in the midst of actually I think they hit the road again. I think they hit the road and they play Colorado Vegas before coming back. And I think they get the the Florida teams. Uh Matthews return and of course the big rivalry match against uh the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it does not get easier for this Flames team, um, which is probably uh going to be kind of the course that they've very much dug themselves into a hole to start the year, uh, and have been playing catch up ever since and uh, no real end in sight. So that's the team as a whole. Now let's kind of get a little more granular and let's talk personnel a little bit. Uh, I know heading into this year, you needed bounce backs from a lot of high profile guys. Um, and I would like to start with the goalie. Uh, probably not the nicest thing to kind of kick him while he's down, but Jake Markstrom recently fractured a finger and will be week to week. I, I struggle evaluating Jacob Markstrom because I was very much... Uh, you know, um, a Jacob Markstrom detractor for lack of a better word, certainly in the wake of that Oilers series, just because I kind of thought they broke him a little bit. I know last year there was a lot of softies, little flutter pucks that were finding a way in. And this year, uh, the eye test would suggest that he's playing much better, but I still feel like there's some, some untimely goals. I like, I'm not a goalie savant. I'm not a goalie coach. I don't, I don't know much about the position at all. I've never played goalie in, in any sport I've played. Uh, so I'm probably not the guy to evaluate um, these dudes. However, however, I I know it's a very mental position. Um, you need to kind of have your wits about you. And I thought in the wake of the Oilers series, like there were so many games that got away from him there and it kind of carried over into the following year. And even this year, I know he got the fresh start. He He says he's healthier than he's ever been, you know, prior to this injury. And, and he was feeling more confident but i still feel like there's just a little squeaker there a little flutter puck there a little out of position here and in the national hockey league you can't be spotting anybody any of those opportunities let alone one or two a game uh so and and on top of that like i know his peripheral kind of counting stats wouldn't suggest that he's setting the world on fire either he has been one of the stronger players on the team but i think there is just a few little areas where if he tightens it up 
maybe this team's in a better spot. Maybe they aren't, right? Because they've also, I'll, I'll keep talking personnel here, uh, and their inability to score goals. As much as Jacob Markstrom has to shoulder some of the blame, so do some of the very high-profile forwards that they signed, um, not last offseason, but two offseasons ago, with Jonathan Huberdeau and, of course, Nazem Kadri. I'll start off with Kadri. Um, he was pretty cold to start the year. I think he went eight games without a goal, uh, but has very much turned it around a little bit might be at a point per game clip since uh, centering what is probably been the flames most effective offensive line with the generational as dubbed by Colin Urquhart on this show, uh, Connor Zary. And of course the other kid in the cadre and the kids line in Marty Pospisil. Um, and I've loved how he's been able to kind of coach him up put them under that giant wing of his and, and kind of rub off on them. And I think some of their, their youthful um, exuberance and energy and enthusiasm have rubbed on, rubbed off on old Nazem Kadri as well, and has kind of revitalized him a little bit um, during his brief stint as a Calgary flame. Uh, so I've actually been liking Kadri's game a lot lately. Um, and then for Jonathan Huberto, I, it's interesting because I feel like he's kind of enjoying a renaissance. Like last night, he was just trucking over dudes and and mixing it up. And you want to talk about rubbing off on your line mates. I kind of feel like the Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman duo, which with he has been riding shotgun with for probably the last month or so, um, is starting to rub off on him a little bit. And he's being a little more of an agitator and he's trying to get into the fabric of the game, which I think is good um, because there were very many times certainly in recent memory where you'd be like, is this guy even in the lineup? Is he dressed? Do we fill out a missing persons report for Jonathan Hubert? Where is he? I don't notice him at all. Now, I would say that you notice him more, but you'd still like to see him even more than that. Uh, and certainly you'd like to see him contributing offensively more than that. And, you know, unfortunately, you can never kind of escape the weight of that massive contract if you're a Jonathan Huberto and... At some point, we, the public, have to stop kind of measuring him up against that. But today's not that day, and I will say that I I need a little more out of you for 10 and a half. Uh, so Huberto certainly taking a step in the right direction at this current juncture in the season, but still lots of room for improvement. Um, and then... I would just like to touch on a guy named Blake Coleman really quickly here because in terms of personnel, he is a dude that I have been absolutely loving all year long. In fact, I would actually say he's probably been the most consistent Calgary Flames forward game in and game out. You always know what you're getting with number 20. Um, if this is turning into like Blake Coleman, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Uh, I would also say that I think that his big Thanksgiving fiesta where he invited the team over while they were road tripping in Dallas right around the time of American Thanksgiving was one of the moments of the season that I think has kind of, you know, been a little bit of a turning point. I can't, I don't know if you can say turning point because, um, you know, they are sputtering a little bit lately, but they, I think it was really important for bringing this team together uh, at a time where they might've been a little bit fragile um, so I think that's just another example of how this guy contributes if he's not scoring, which by the way, he kind of is, he's got six goals, which is tied for second on the team. There's an absolute log jam there, as I'd mentioned. And as you're probably well aware, if you're watching this, the Flames struggle to score goals. So six from Blake Coleman with literally zero power play time, uh, and playing 
you know, against the other team's top line, trying to neutralize them, I think is a huge contribution. And um, I'm not surprised because, again, I think he's a great pro. And as we look at things that are ailing this team, i.e. their power play, I think Blake Coleman is a dude who's more than warranted a look on this anemic power play that can't seem to figure it the fuck out. Why not give it to a guy who's already scored six goals and Ho-Hum has spent zero time on that power play so far? He might have something to contribute. He might be a shot in the arm. And you know what? You, he'll never shorten you on effort, which I think for you know 90% of this year, the Flames have you know done their darndest for better or for worse. But there have been some lapses and there have been some times where it really feels like they're kind of shuffling their feet. And they're not really bringing it, but Blake Coleman always brings it. Um, yeah, big Blake Coleman guy over here. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and he's dating a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, and he scores goals for the Flames. He's basically my fucking hero. Uh, so, Blake Coleman, uh, what's it like to be God's favorite? Please let me know. Uh, you of the great hats and great suits. Um, so that's the bounce back, guys. I would like to also touch on the other vets on the team. Uh, one of the guys that I was very much looking for, and it's kind of flavor of the week, he is getting kicked around a little bit, certainly around the local radio, um, is Dylan Dubé. Dylan Dubé was a dude that I was pretty high on. I kind of sort of in the Blake Coleman breath. I'm like, this guy doesn't really play much on the power play, and he still contributed like 35, 40 points last year, something in that neighborhood. And I'm like, man, uh, you know, he's 25, he's right around kind of that breakout, he might be able to take one more step before he is what he is, and unfortunately this year it just hasn't really been working for him, and he's found himself on the fourth line with another guy who really kind of, I was expecting to take a step and just hasn't been able to fucking get it going in, in Adam Ruzichka, and you know, with the fact that Zary looks like he's here to stay, full caps the end, Pospisil looking like he's going to be in the lineup. Um, and Matt Coronado, who is lighting the AHL on fire since being sent back down. It certainly feels like we kind of have a logjam at the forward position. Um, Walker Dewar can't get in the lineup right now. That's another guy that I was really high on to start the year who's kind of playing some days and, and not playing others. And I kind of think that Ruzichka and Dubé, uh, you know, I, I had a podcast earlier in the season where I was like, is it going to work here with Huberto? You know, like, he might be a great player, but there's just some places where the situation just won't lend itself to you being the best version of yourself. And I kind of wonder if I'm there with Dubé and Ruzichka, where they've been around the org, they've seen you know the the evolution of the team from the Johnny, Shawnee, Matthew uh, to now the Kadri Huberdo. I don't fucking know. I think that's pretty much everybody. Uh, you know, in terms of star power, uh, if you're talking about the core. They and they haven't been able to make it work. And so I'm like, is are those two of the dudes that when this team inevitably shuffles the deck a little bit at the trade deadline? And certainly I think it's kind of shifting that way, uh, especially in the wake of one Nikita Zadorov getting traded to Vancouver. Are those two of the guys that get shipped out and sent somewhere, uh, either for a fresh start or to, you know, be a 12th or 13th forward on a contender? I'm not sure. Uh, but those are two guys that I think are probably closer to the end than being right in the middle of their Flames tenure, at least in my opinion. Pure reckless speculation that's not based on anything except that they just are very much, um, you know, the 12th, 13th, 14th best forwards on this team. And I, I just look at that fourth line and I look at what A.J. Greer is doing, who has been such a revelation, such a breath of fresh air, 
Talk about a guy that never cheats you on effort. That dude goes a hundred ten all the time and um is another guy that I'd be looking to like can you play up a little bit? I don't know. Maybe maybe not up the lineup because it's starting to get set in stone a little bit with this Lindholm, Monjapani, uh Sharon Govich line, who, by the way, uh has kind of turned his game around a little bit. He's been awesome lately. Uh the production hasn't quite been there, but it hasn't really been there for everybody. So I've certainly liked what Sharon Govich has been offering. Um, and so kind of in that same vein, Sharon Govich was every bit as fourth line doghouse as AJ Greer was not that AJ Greer has ever really been in the doghouse. I mean, I feel like he's kind of actively deployed in what he was expected to be deployed in, in the fourth line, but a dude that might be able to take some of that energy that he's, you know, displaying in limited minutes and maybe rub off on his other teammates. I think he's a dude you should throw on the power play. He's got good hands. He's got good size. He's tough. You want a net front presence. You want someone who's going to, you know, disturb some shit down low. I think AJ Greer deserves a look. Crazier shit's happened. Man, they trotted Milan Lucic out of the fucking power play. You know, AJ Greer can at least do that. You got to think so. Um, so AJ Greer has been really good. Coronado has been really good. I think you're kind of pot committed to do her at least for the next two years uh, after he signed a one-way contract. The Rune Dog is going to get healthy. Pelche is going to get healthy. There's just not enough room for, you know, Dubé and Ruzichka to be you know, eh, 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 kind of good, not really good other nights, uh, kind of wishy-washy, what are you getting? Uh, how consistent are they? They are in a fucking dogfight because as far as I'm concerned, the top nine forwards are pretty much set in stone. Uh, and then, you know, 10, 11, 12 is going to be some revolving door of those like six or seven guys. And Dubé and Ruzicha certainly, as of late, are kind of near the bottom of that pecking order. At least, you know, that's my two Turks for you. There you go. You said it. Uh, great. Um, so that's the vets. That's the bounce back guys. I wanted to touch on a little bit about the kids who have been very encouraging. I, I you know, I just shared that Pelche is supposed to be back hopefully in about a month and change. Um, Zary is up and looks like he's here for good. Pospisil has played more than nine games. So he's also up here for good. He can't get sent down without uh, going through waivers. Um, so I think it's a bit encouraging. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think the Flames prospect pool... Anyway, I think a big part of Calgary Flames fandom is having little brother syndrome. Certainly with, you know, the fucking Oilers and whatever they do, we're always like, ah. Uh, but even with our own players, I feel like we're always like, yo, our guys kind of fucking suck compared to everybody else. But I... You know, the kids have been giving me some some reasons for optimism. I am loving Connor Zary. I think he's been so effective, so noticeable every single night he's doing something. Like he he's worth the price of admission. He's had some moves that I'm like, who is that? Is that, you know, Connor Zary or Connor Bedard? I don't fucking know. Uh he he's been that good. Dustin Wolf, again, the number one goalie prospect in the world. Now we're going to get a nice little kind of extendo look at him. Certainly while Jacob Markstrom is nursing this finger, I'm very eager to see what he's like. Looks like he's in line for a tough test against Carolina on Thursday, but with the way the schedule is working out, the Flames are pretty busy this month, so I expect to see him three, four, five, six times. Um, and him and Vladar are basically going to be splitting starts, and and I don't know if <laughs> Winter gets to stick around or, or, or how that works, but... It's been intriguing, and I think it's it, it's just been awesome to see that, you know, Craig Conroy, when he took the job, he's like, we're going to give the kids a shot. And, you know, Coronado got a shot. He sent back down to the A, but he's going to get called up eventually. I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. It's only a matter of time. He's going to be coming up very shortly, especially if they continue to kind of 
struggle scoring goals. That dude is a bucket. That dude's been a goal scorer at every level. He's the type of guy that you bring up if you want to juice your offense a little bit. And realistically, the only kind of hurdles to that are the fact that there are some vets that you might feel like you owe them some playtime over him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the future is bright. I think you got some good kids coming up. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, are you going to add to that that um, reserve, that, that stable, that cupboard of great young prospects with some moves on your pending UFAs? Who knows? Only time will tell. But I, I like the little group of players we got, you know, cooking up in the, on the Wranglers. And I, I like what they've contributed so far and look forward to seeing what they contribute in the future. Um. And lastly, you know, I, I did touch on the UFAs very, very briefly. That's another storyline that has been all over this team for the better part of, you know, the year, honestly, of 2023. So Nikita Zadorov, first domino to fall. Uh, I don't think I've chatted since he got traded. I would just like to say that I don't think that the return was as lackluster as some of the people in the flame sphere think it was. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be all like, I fucking told you so, but when you think about uh, a third-pairing D-man on an expiring deal who has basically made a stink and is kind of on his fourth or fifth team in, in eight years, like that's not someone that typically gets a king's ransom. That's like, you know, a third and a fifth, if I'm being honest. And a lot of people are mad that the third isn't this year. I would ask those people what the fuck are you targeting in the third round of 2025 or 2024 that, you know, isn't available in 2025. Like I don't, I don't know this upcoming draft very well. I'm pretty positive that, you know, you guy who's mad at the third round pick being next year. I don't think you know much either. Uh, <laughs> unless you do. And if you do, please come on to the podcast. Cause I would love to chat with you about, you know, this upcoming draft class. Cause I think that's going to be something that, we're going to have to be following kind of closely as Flames fans um, for the next couple of years. But yeah, I mean, the third, the third's a third, the fifth's a fifth. You acquired him for a third. You're now trading him for a third and and more. Also, this is a dude that actively like forced his way out. Um, could you have gotten more? Sure. But I'm not super upset about it. Now that I've had a chance to kind of digest it, I think at the time I was a little bit surprised as well. But I, you know, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, it was always going to be something like that. So the other interesting thing as well is, you know, they've talked about all the permutations of the fact that they sent him away and didn't have to retain any salary that now offers up some great flexibility to call up guys from the A. Solovyov, that's another guy that I forgot to mention in the group of kids. Like Solovyov has played a few games now and like doesn't look super out of place. Looks like he could play in this league. So uh, again, another reason for encouragement. And that's something that you were able to do only because you got rid of Nikita Zadorov's 375 without, you know, retaining any salary. And now the fact that you haven't eaten any salary on that allows you to eat some salary if you're going to ship out Lindholm or Tanev or Hannafin, which would offer you a better return anyway. So you can just kind of juice that and, and you know, maybe make up some of the the value that you might have lost on the Zadorov trade and and then some. So I've, I've really liked the trade and I think it also kind of sets the market a little bit. I don't really know any other sort of trades. I guess Beauvillier got traded just before Nikita got sent to Vancouver to kind of make up that space. But I think now, if you're the Calgary Flames, you've kind of set the market. Anybody you trade is going to be at least a third-round pick, right? Like, even, you know, not that Chris Tanev is a bad player or anything, but Chris Tanev is certainly, you got to think, the least valuable of the three, 
you know, remaining kind of chips that the Flames have with Hannafin and Lindholm. Uh, only because, you know, he's a 34-year-old defenseman, right? Uh, but you're going to get at least a th- – you're going to get probably a second or a first for Tanev now. you got to think, right? Uh, if Zadorov's worth a third, Tanev's worth at least that and then some. So I think there's been some smart positioning type of stuff that Craig Conroy's done with this one. Um, some people think the chair is too big for him. I'm not one of those guys. I've liked what Craig Conroy's done so far, and I'm hoping that he can keep that going because uh, he's an easy guy to root for. And, you know, uh, I think he was dealt kind of a shitty hand with the way Nikita went out and, and asked for this trade, and he did the best he could, all things considered. And, yeah, I mean, anytime you acquire somebody for something and trade them away for something more, that's you never go broke making a profit. Uh, so I think that's a okay. So, yeah. That's the personnel team sputtering a little bit moving forward. They have the rest of the gauntlet, which is going to be super, super interesting, but um, I'm really looking forward to catching some holiday hockey. Uh, It's honestly a very fun time to be around the dome. They had the December blackout, so it's blasty every single night, which is great. It's a great kit. As you can see, I got my Calgary flames indigenous celebration lid that I picked up from the dome as well. So some great merch to pick up. Uh, You can get dripped out for December. Um, and hopefully we can get a few dubs. So I don't want to drag this on too, too long. I feel like listening to me for 25 uninterrupted minutes might be uh, some sort of capital punishment in, in a different country. So I'm going to put a pin in it there. Um, but thank you very much for listening. And I am looking forward to catching up with you again uh, next week when we have a guest and we have Cody back, which would be nice. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. And uh, go fucking flames. Flames.